When I was in college, they had colleges back then. Uh, we rode on rocks. No. <laughs> um, as I've described, I spent, even though I was preparing for ministry at a Christian school, I spent most of my days wondering whether God was real or not. Um, from probably the end of my freshman year on through my senior year. And uh, I think once those issues were settled, which was post-college, uh, it really it helped me, in a sense, prepare for what I'm doing now. And so, in some ways, just to say, there are, there are seasons when we have doubt in our lives. It's true. But if we're earnest in seeking God even during that time, those get resolved. And a lot of times there are questions that kind of sit on the shelf for a while. I still have some up there, but a lot of them have been answered. What I want to do this morning is I'd like to spend a little bit of time looking at the incredibleness of creation and what a lot have said is intelligent design. In other words, how could it be except that there's a, a superior mind that has put things together? From there, I want to go into the resurrection. So, um, you know, this last week or so, a couple weeks ago, there was a picture of the black hole, the first one they've ever photographed. Uh, I would think that some of you art majors could have done the same thing with a trip to Huron Mountain and a, and a little bit of lighting. Uh, if I had done it, there would have been a bite out of it. But uh, nevertheless, what caught my attention in regard to this thing was the amount of memory needed in the computers just to get that picture. Because they had to line up um, the different telescopes around the world. And so when they got to comparing the size of it, uh, we're not talking gigabytes anymore. It's on to the next thing. And so they're going over 5 million gigabytes. That, that's a lot of memory, right? Just to get one picture. But uh, I've ran across some other things as I was as looking at this. And there's a video that I want to show just a clip of a bit. And it, it's talking about the immensity of what we're involved in. And, and this is called mind-blowing. Um, just uh, just to the universe of what's going on. So if we can get that up, we'll give it a try.
That's good. <laughs> That's the big picture. The other side of the coin, and this is kind of what got me going. I think Brendan had posted a, uh, a series of photos from conception to birth. Um, they were done by uh, a group called Earth. Earth. Uh, <laughs> looking at that. It's on there somewhere. <laughs> Earth science. But uh, that said, it gets incredibly complex going small as well. And uh, you know, one of the recent things that came out in regard to DNA was that it's not just helixes. The, the scientists got to a place saying, yeah, there's a, it's a twisted knot. That means they haven't figured out the structure yet, but it's much more complex than a helix. And yet, when you're talking DNA in each and every cell, you're talking hundreds of thousands of, of connectors, right? And so I, um, the, uh, the incredibleness of all that just starts to blow me away. There's a, a, another video that I want to share just a portion of, and this is a computer simulation of what DNA does in every single cell of our bodies, okay? So it's not just one thing, but it, this is within each cell. Let's see if we can get that rolling. If we can hit it twice right in one day. These are tiny You're molecular man, machines, <laughs> and they're doing this inside your body right now. To understand why, we have to zoom out. Every day in an adult human body, 50 to 70 billion of your cells die. Either they're stressed or damaged or just old. But this is normal. In fact, it's called programmed cell death. But to make up for all these lost cells, right now, billions of your cells are dividing essentially creating new cells. And that process of cell division, also called mitosis, well, it requires an army of tiny molecular machines. So let's take a closer look. DNA is a good place to start, the double helix molecule we always talk about. This is a scientifically accurate depiction of DNA created by Drew Barry at the Walter and Eliza Hall Institute of Medical Research. If you unwind the two strands, you can see that each has a sugar phosphate backbone connected to the sequence of nucleic acid base pairs, known by the letters A, T, G, and C. Now the strands run in opposite directions, which is important when you go to copy DNA. Copying DNA is one of the first steps in cell division. Here the two strands of DNA are being unwound and separated by the tiny blue molecular machine called helicase. Helicase literally spins as fast as a jet engine. The strand of DNA on the right has its complementary strand assembled continuously, but the other strand is more complicated because it runs in the opposite direction. So it must be looped out with its complementary strand assembled in reverse, section by section. At the end of this process, you have two identical DNA molecules, each one a few centimeters long, but just a couple nanometers wide. So to prevent the DNA from becoming a tangled mess, it is wrapped around proteins called histones, forming a nucleosome. These nucleosomes are bundled together into a fiber known as chromatin, which is further looped and coiled to form a chromosome, one of the largest molecular structures in your body.
You can actually see chromosomes under a microscope in dividing cells. Only then do they take on their characteristic shape. Otherwise, the DNA is more strewn inside the nucleus. The process of dividing a cell takes around an hour in mammals, so this footage is from a time lapse. You can see how the chromosomes line up on the equator of the cell. Now when everything is right, they are pulled apart into the two new daughter cells, each one containing an identical copy of DNA. Now, simple we'll as this there. looks, the... Either way you go, it's complex, right? You're getting very big, it's complex. You stay small, it's complex. And in looking at that, I guess what catches my attention is that's just at the cellular level. I mean, there are many systems within each of our bodies, right? There's at least a dozen that... Uh, or 11, however groups you want to make it. Um, there's different types of cells. You know, you, you can, <laughs> you walk through all of that and you're just kind of going, that's intense. You know, stem cells, bone cells, blood cells, muscle cells, fat cells, skin cells, nerve cells, endothelial cells, sex cells, well, yes, it does, but that's different. Paracaiatic <laughs> cells and cancer cells. Okay. Yeah. Where I'm going with this, <laughs> couldn't resist. Um, when you start looking at the immensity or the incredibleness of it all, and you step into saying God ordained history and he knew before the beginning of time that Christ would come and die for our sin, to me it's not all that hard to believe when I look at the incredibleness of what's a part of our life each day. And when he says things like, I know the very hairs of your head and they're numbered, um, I have no doubt about that. The fact that he would choose to personally relate with me, that's mind-blowing in itself. But the fact that he would talk to me and, and share life, that, uh, that I was designed for that, that's not that far for me to step into when I see that there was a creator who put everything together. And so when I go back to the scripture and I'm looking and going, well, in the Old Testament, you know, there's several references to a resurrection, but there are the kind of things that when the writers are writing it, I'm not sure they knew fully what they're talking about, you know. But they'll talk about dying and then living again. And you're kind of going... Well, yeah, it's, it's there, but it, you know, I, I'd like it even clearer. And, and then you have things like Jesus, when he's on earth, he goes, in, you know, early in his ministry, in John chapter 2, the, the disciples are going, look at the temple, it's amazing. And he says, tear it down, I'll build it in three days. And they're going, it took 46 years to build. But then the disciples realize later on, they say, he was talking about himself. And then when in John 10, when it talks about him being the good shepherd, and he says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, again, you can say, well, that's kind of a, you know, it's, it's one of those oblique references, but it's, it's not clear. So we might as well get into some specifics. Matthew 16, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. 
He suffer, be killed, and be raised. Okay, that's about as clear as you can speak, right? John 17, same thing. In fact, John 16, Peter rebukes him, says, no, that's impossible. And that's when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. John 17, Son of Man is about to be delivered in the hands of men. They will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. John 20, he says, we're going up to Jerusalem. Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes. They will condemn him to death, deliver him over to the Gentiles, be mocked, flogged, crucified, and raised on the third day. So Jesus was very specific about what was going to happen. It just hadn't happened yet. In the garden, this is crazy. It's his last night. The disciples have fallen asleep a couple times. He's warned them, you're going to be, you're going to flee me. You're going you're gonna to run away when, when it gets crisis time. And then he says, but when I rise again, I'm going to Galilee. I'll meet you there. So he's already making plans for after the resurrection. Peter, when he gives his first sermon in Acts chapter 2, he speaks of Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, you know, accredited by signs and wonders. And he says he was crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. He says God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Then he goes into quoting Psalm chapter 16, which had been written a thousand years earlier by David. And David was talking about this tragic scene where his enemies are against him. He's, he's in the throes of death. But then he's talking about new life and talking about things going well. You know, and he says, he, you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You've made known to me the paths of life. You'll make me full of gladness in your presence. So David's writing something, but he's not really fully understanding what's going to take place. What takes place, of course, is Jesus, the son of David, coming, dying, rising again to new life. You can find a similar thing in Acts chapter 13 with Paul when he's, he's talking. And I'm not going to go into the details of this one, but he quotes out of Isaiah. He quotes Jeremiah. And they recognize that even the Old Testament had been telling of this coming ahead. I want to read just a couple passages. This one's out of Psalm 22, again by David. It says, I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint, which is exactly what would have happened in crucifixion. When you're, you're, you're pinned that way and everything's sagging, things begin to start to slip out of place. And that was part of the, the whole death process and part of the cruelty of it because they'd have to push up to catch a breath and then everything would sag again. So he's describing a crucifixion, even though crucifixion wasn't common in those days. They were more likely to impale people. Um, but he says, they have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. Remember, Jesus didn't have his bulk broken, but the other two thieves are the thieves dead. But he was already dead, and so they did not break his bones. He says, they stare and gloat over me, divide my garments among them and my clothing, they cast lots. That's not what we do when we put someone to death. But in that day, they did. And yet, in that same psalm, later on, he says, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. 
So even though they're just, the crucifixion scene has been described accurately, it ends on a positive note. And so you, again, you have this wonder. It says, You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify Him. And stand in awe with Him for all your offspring of Israel. For He has not despised or abandoned the affliction of the afflicted. And He has not hidden His face from Him, but has heard when He cried to Him. One more passage out of the Old Testament. Isaiah 53. If you read the end of 52 on through 53... You read the description of a suffering servant. Uh, you know, it's not common for heroes to go through this kind of thing. We, we like to have our heroes rising to power and then distributing the wealth and all the rest, right? But this is a case where the hero dies. And, and so it says, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the hand of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. Now it goes on a little bit further, but I want to read out of the 12th verse. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. So again, it's speaking of the salvation process that he was walking through. Now, when we were looking at those videos, none of those described consciousness, right? Biologically, you can't describe why you have the awareness that you have. And furthermore, it doesn't describe conscience. How do you know that something's wrong? Why are you aware of justice? Why are each of us aware that we don't live as well as we should? And how do we take care of that? The wonder of what we have in Christ is that he has made provision for that. This God who has done the incredible, both in creation, now in salvation, designed a plan from the beginning of time to deal with our own failures. That our sins might be washed away by him. I want to go back to a portion that Charlie read. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are all pity, people to be most pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as a man came death by a man, has also come the resurrection of the dead. That's our hope. So we live in an incredibly complex world. The complexity is a part of who we are, designed by a wonderful, wonderful Savior and Creator who from the beginning of time orchestrated history through the person of Jesus Christ that you and I might have relationship with him. What an awesome thing to hang on to. Would you stand with me? We thank you for your death and resurrection that brings life to us. And I pray for each one here that there would be a confidence in their hearts that the creator of all ages wants relationship with them. 
by your Holy Spirit, speak into our hearts even now. I pray for those that have wrestled with doubt similar to what I had in years past, that that would be washed away, that you'd give them encounters with you that would settle and anchor their souls, give them a confidence in Scripture. I pray, Lord, that as we celebrate this day, that it would never become dull or wrote to us, but rather each time we see it, there would be an anticipation and a glorying of what you have done. We thank you for this. Amen. I want to pray for God's blessing upon you. What remains is open-ended. If you would like prayer, it's easiest to make up front or just find someone that you trust. Love to pray with you. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to live with such a creator and wondrous maker and savior. I ask as each one goes into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. Enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural, I ask. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.